Our main goal is that whatever they choose to do in their life, they will be better at it because they were in our program. And we really stress being great role models, doing things the right way, having integrity. The Holding Court Podcast is powered by Fundraising University Ohio. Fundraising University Ohio offers a variety of fundraising efforts that help basketball teams run profitable, effective, and fast-paced fundraisers designed to raise the most money in the shortest amount of time to reach their fundraising goals. Fundraising University Ohio is locally owned and operated, and with their six-step blitz system, will help your team maximize profits. As a former basketball coach himself, Brent Maxwell will sit down and help you pick, plan, strategize, and execute your fundraiser, which will allow you as a coach to devote more time to the other aspects of your program. If you're looking to take your fundraising efforts to the next level, contact Brent Maxwell at bmaxwell at fundraisingu.net or 740-501-8946 to learn more. Welcome to Holding Court, presented by the Ohio High School Basketball Coaches Association. Join hosts Adam Hall and Walt Serrato as they sit down with some of the biggest names in Ohio high school basketball and beyond. This show and all of our shows are available to listen to completely free anywhere that you can find podcasts. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Let's get to it. Hello, it's Adam Hall here with my co-host, Walt Serrato. We are excited to be joined by Jim Ruckey, current head boys basketball coach at Finley High School. Coach, thank you for joining us and welcome to the Holding Court Podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. This is a real pleasure. Um, you know, I, I've, I've listened to almost every single one of your podcasts so far, and uh, you guys do a great job. It's a, it's a great thing for our state uh, of basketball and our association. Well, Coach, the 2023-2024 season is here. Game one is right around the corner for you. As you are set to enter your 35th year as a head coach, what excites you most about your team this season? And what are maybe a few things that are currently keeping you awake at night? Well, first of all, we're, we're getting into a new league. So that, that's an exciting thing, but also brings a lot of uh, you know hesitation, new things. Um, but this is the fourth league that we've been in since I've been in Finley and, and uh, just, you know, having, having a little bit of the unknown is exciting. Uh, but, and also, you know, we have the, the most exciting thing I think for me is we have a really good group of kids. Uh, we have six seniors. These guys were freshmen during the COVID year, 2021, when it was really a rough year, I think for everybody, it was really rough on me. Uh, we had a good team. I can't imagine struggling with, with a bad year during that year. But, uh, you know, there was just so many different things that went on. And we had to be quarantined twice. And one of the things I think that really got me through that year is when we were quarantined, our varsity and JVs were quarantined. I was not quarantined. I practiced with our freshmen twice for 10 days that, that year. And it really was kind of refreshing to get back and, and, you know, not have a game to worry about for 10 days in the middle of January and just work with our freshman team and see the potential that these guys had and how coachable they were. You know, here we are now three years later, they're seniors. We have, uh, you know, uh, Coach Ron Niekamp, who was the uh, head coach of the University of Finley for many, many years, won a national championship. We have his grandson on our team. We have Coach Ernst, who's the uh, Charlie Ernst, who's the coach at the University of Finley. We have his son on our team. 
We have our athletic director, Nate Weirau, who was a All-American football player at the University of Finley. We have his son on our team. We have Matt Best, who played baseball at BGSU and is our offensive coordinator. We have his son on our team. These guys are all seniors. So these are kids that really understand, have fam, you know, come from families that really get it. The, the lowest GPA out of those guys is 3.9. You know, just having this group of seniors is exciting for us. Uh, you know, win or lose, you know, we'll get better throughout the year. Uh, the things that worry me, I think, you know, there's just so many things, obviously, that you're not, you're worried you're not going to be ready. But the, the, the thing that really gets to me, I think, at this time of the year is just trying to find tape on your first couple of opponents, you know, find, trying to find scrimmage tape. And then you get it and you can't tell who anybody is, you know, and uh, that, that's, that's kind of driving me crazy right now. But, but for the most part, we're, we're getting ready to go. So, Coach, I'm interested to hear about how you lay out the first three to four weeks of the season leading up to game one. What's your thought? process philosophy when it comes to maybe putting together your scrimmage schedule what do those early season practices look like how long are you going and then talk about maybe how you break it down in practice in regards to how much time are you spending on player development versus drill work versus five on five play we go about two and a half hours right now we used to go three for many many years i've shortened that down a little bit i guess but we we're at this point of the year we'll go two and a half hours every day we spend a lot of time on skill work and just basic things passing and catching we have a uh, you know in our situation as a division one school we're we're a little bit abnormal uh in that we have a lot of multi-sport athletes we have 30 four kids in our program, ninth, ninth grade JV and varsity, only four of them are basketball only kids. And uh, none of our top nine or 10 guys are basketball only guys out of our top nine, four of them are three sport athletes. They all play at least one other sport. We have, you know, 18 of our 34 played football this fall. So uh, you know, we're, we're trying to get them, get them passing and catching two ball dribble shooting. We've always been that way. We take it really slow. We do a lot of shell defense, basic ju- uh, jump stop and pivoting. You know, we try to challenge ourselves with scrimmages, but we don't, you know, we're not concerned really with the outcome. We're trying to, you know, just go one step at a time. We've had, we've had at least two years uh, in my time at Finley, where we went through the scrimmage season, five scrimmages, and then looked back and realized we didn't win one quarter. You know, we did not win one. One of those years, we went to the regional tournament, you know, won the district, went to the regional. We didn't win a quarter in the scrimmage season. So, you know, we try not to worry about the, the officials during scrimmages. We're just, we're, we're trying, we spend a lot of time trying to be on the same page. And last week, we, we have a vocabulary list of about 75 terms that we go through with the kids, make sure we're all speaking the same language. We refer to this certain ways and, you know, we quiz them on that a little bit and, uh, you know, just trying to get a lot of learning, get everybody on the same page and get, get them uh, in basketball shape. Yeah, there's so many boxes we have to check, right, heading yep. into that first game. We, we talk, I know Adam and I, we talk about it a lot. It's no worse feeling you, you get to opening night. It's shoot, we didn't cover this, yeah. and you got to burn a timeout. There's no worse feeling, right? Um, well, coach, let's let's go back in time a little bit, if you don't mind. 
share some of your experiences in and around the game of basketball as you were growing up. And can you pinpoint a time when you got that coaching bug? You know, I always wanted to be a coach when I, from a little kid, you know, in, in, in elementary school and my buddies would play, you know, football out on the playground. You know, I, I'd always be the all-time quarterback and was the guy that was drawn up plays for both, both teams. And my dad was a, a coach uh, freshman football and basketball coach for a lot of years. He was the AD off and on a couple different times. My brother was uh, was a quarterback of the football team, you know, played basketball, played baseball. He was eight years older than me. So I was from a little kid. I was going to games and being around that. So, I, you know, I think I just had that from an early age. But the big thing, I think, thinking back as far as basketball and wanting to coach high school basketball was going to the uh, uh, Steubenville Arena for tournament games when I was in high school. And, you know, we, we saw a lot of the great Indian Valley South teams in the 70s. My buddies and I would go and, you know, on Saturday, there might be four games there at the arena. We'd spend all day watching you know we got to play there one time and and it was uh you know we didn't have a very good team my junior year in high school but and we got to the game early you know and nobody was in the arena we were playing zanesville rosecrans and we had had a losing record as i said and, and upset a couple teams to make the district and uh the second game that night was indian valley south and strasburg and in, uh, larry huggins was a senior and uh, we got to the arena. There wasn't anybody there. It was way before game time. We go down into the locker room underneath the stands, and uh, we're in there for about an hour. We come out for game, you know, for our warm up, and there was 4,500 people in the arena. And that's just the atmosphere that that place had. And, and as a young high school player, junior high player, going to those tournament games and seeing some of those great teams and coaches, and just the the excitement of the communities. Uh, for high school basketball, I think was when I really thought this is what I want to be part of, you know, for for longer than than my high school career. The Huggins name is in that rarefied air. That's some uh, basketball royalty, yeah, um, in Ohio. So so let's go back to you know you start coaching. You know, uh, prior to being named the head boys basketball coach at Rocky River, you know you had the opportunity to serve at Rocky River wearing some different hats. Kind of sound like how Dad was a little bit. You were a junior high football coach, junior high basketball coach, junior varsity basketball and baseball coach, varsity football assistant coach. In 1987, you were named the head baseball coach. Talk about how wearing all these different hats helped prepare you to take over the reins at Rocky River then in 1989. Easily the the thing that of, of all of that that helped me prepare, that helped prepare me to be a head basketball coach was the coaches that I worked under. Uh, I just I think I was so lucky. I was hired in uh, 84, 85 school year as an eighth grade basketball coach by Babe Topoli. And he was a retired, he had been a, re, uh, a teacher and coach in the Cleveland school system uh, for 30 years. He retired. They asked, he lived in Rocky River. They asked him to take over the basketball program to try to you know, just solidify it. It hadn't been very good. He hired me as a junior high coach. And, uh, you know, he just was a wealth of information. 
And uh, I learned so much. He had me scout every Friday night. I probably didn't know what I was doing, but he taught me. Then the next year, you know, maybe I did a good enough job. But the next year, the, the head baseball coach, Don Kelly, hired me to be the JV baseball coach. And Mr. Kelly was an ex-Marine. It was his 30th year and last year of teaching and coaching. Uh, he's in the Baseball Coaches Hall of Fame. And he had an unbelievable work ethic as a Marine. He was a Marine in every sense of the word. And sometimes, you know, we would go to games, varsity and JV together. He wouldn't ride the bus. He would he would take a truck, his truck and take all the equipment, and pack it in his truck. And then he'd ask me to ride along with him. So we would talk on the way to games or on the way home from games. And, and I just learned so much from him. Then a year or two later, I had worked, uh, you know, for a couple of different football coaches. And Bill Jones was hired as the head football coach. And Bill is, is the real, the, the, the most uh, greatest example of a mentor that I ended up having. Uh, Bill is in the Ohio High School Football Coaches Hall of Fame. And he had been a coach for, you know, 20 years or so before he had came to Rocky River. I worked with him that first year. Uh, he ended up being there for the next 10 years, and uh, we worked closely together. Those three guys, especially Bill, were just unbelievable mentors for me to not only teaching me about the sport, but teaching me about coaching, you know, dealing with kids and parents and, and all the other things that go into it. I, I just can't say enough about what those guys, those three uh, coaches did for me. So coach, like, like I mentioned in 1989, then you take over at Rocky River as the head boys basketball coach. You're taking over a program that was coming off its ninth straight losing season. Take us through that first season in which you were able to, to break that streak um, of nine straight losing seasons and to finish with a record of 13 and 10. You know, while I'm sure there were some mistakes that were made along the way, it seems as though you did a lot more right than wrong. How did you go about laying that foundation that will lead to future success down the road for your program? Well, first of all, you know, we had real we had a really good group of kids. They were tremendous students. I had coached them in the eighth grade, the, the seniors that first year. I had coached them as eighth graders, and I coached them as 10th graders on the JV team. And they were just really good kids, hard workers, uh, great families that bought in. But I, I think the biggest thing was just choosing our style of play. I think in in my career watching other coaches, uh, some coaches that maybe uh, things haven't gone the way they wanted, I think you know it's so important when you get a job to choose the style of play that you're going to use. And a lot of times a coach, you take over a program that has struggled you know, there's a reason they've struggled. And, and uh, I see so many coaches that might say in a preview, they, they get a new job and they say that, you know, we're going to try to go more up tempo and we want to play faster. And, and maybe the kids just aren't ready to do that. And we weren't ready from a skill standpoint. So we, we you know, we chose a style of play that would emphasize defense, slow things down a little bit and try to keep the games close where we had a chance to win. And I think that was, you know, as you said, I, I probably did a lot of things wrong. I, I, I didn't know any anywhere near as much as I thought I did looking back. But that was the one good move or one of a couple maybe good moves I made was to, to choose a style of play that enabled us to be, you know, somewhat successful. So, Coach, 
1993 team at Rocky River was a special group of young men led by players such as Kevin Clare and Jerry Knoll. That team in 1993 won the school's first conference championship in over 30 years. When that group of seniors were freshmen, you did something unique with that group on the advice of one of your coaching mentors. Talk to us about that and why you feel that decision led to future success for that group. Yeah, you know, first about Kevin. You talk about just an unbelievable senior season for this kid. He, you know, he was probably uh, second in the voting for, you know, player of the year in our conference in soccer. Then he was the player of the year in basketball. We, as you said, we won the league. Uh, the, the game clinching, uh, conference clinching game, he hit a three at the buzzer to win, win it for us. Then in baseball, we went to, won the first district championship in, in the school. And um, he hit a home run and pitched a shutout. We beat the defending state champs, Elyria West, one nothing in the district championship. So he, he was just unbelievable. And that whole group of seniors, we had seven seniors or eight seniors and seven of them played a lot on that 1993 team. But as you said, when they were freshmen, and I go back to Bill Jones, the football coach, he, you know, my mentor, Bill, when I got the job, I, I couldn't find a freshman coach. And Bill, the head football coach, said he would coach the freshman for me. I don't think there's ever been a head, head boys basketball coach and a head football coach at a school that have gotten along better than Bill and I did. Uh, you know, so he coached my freshman team. He kept score for the varsity games. I did his stats for football. And he suggested that this group of guys that were freshmen and were pretty good, they weren't ready to play varsity, but they could have played JV for sure. And he suggested that we keep them on the freshman team and have them learn to win. And he did an unbelievable job with these guys. As a football coach, he used that kind of that style of coaching. You know, they would run through an offense and they'd run through a play and over and over and over again until they got it right. And they went 18 and 0. They won the league as freshmen, and and uh, you know, people started to really get excited about this group. And they not only, you know, he he not only taught them to win, he taught them to expect to win. And uh, you know, I used to say every year at our banquet, Bill, Bill could coach tiddlywinks and, uh, and be good at it. And, uh, you know, that was one of the best moves we made was keeping those guys together. And, and uh, it was a great group uh, uh, when they were seniors. And, uh, you know, we reaped the benefits of it. Yeah. So, Coach, I want to spend a few minutes talking about Jerry Knoll and how special of a player he was for you. Many people thought you know, you won that conference championship in 93, you turn around and graduate all those kids and they thought, hey, that 94 team's not going to be very good because you only returned Jerry. Uh, but Jerry pretty much put that team on his back, averaging 26 points per game, and he led your team to the regionals. What made Jerry special and allowed that team to experience that unexpected success? Yeah, you know, Jerry put a lot of time into basketball. He was a, he was a great athlete. You know, he he was he didn't look the part really. He was six one, maybe one hundred and fifty pounds, maybe soaking wet. Could jump out of the gym, could shoot the ball. Uh, he was the only un, the only junior that played on the team the year before. 
he wasn't our best player that year, but he, you know, he was a really good player. And um, we, the, the summer before that, then before his senior year, and we had a couple other really good seniors that were tough kids, uh, James Young, uh, David Allen, and Matt Hardman, who were uh, just good kids, tough kids. And we went the summer before that season, we went to the old Century Cage Camp, you know, that Larry Wilson ran at, at Mount Union. And as he said, you know, we were totally inexperienced except for Jerry. And we played well. And I remember I came home and, and my wife asked me how things went, you know, and and I said, we're going to be way better than people think we are because these guys got along so well. They liked Jerry so much that they didn't mind that he was going to take most of the shots. You know, we ran everything for Jerry. You know, if, if we ran a play for the two man, Jerry played the two. If we ran something for our four man, we put Jerry at the four. And these other guys eventually developed better, better roles. Matt Hardman could shoot the ball. And uh, uh, we had uh, Dave Allen was our undersized post guy. Uh, but everything ran through Jerry. And this was a true sent to a team in the every sense of the word in that these guys didn't care who got the credit. Jerry was going to get the credit. Jerry was going to get the shots. It did not matter one bit to them. They wanted to do whatever it took to win. And uh, as you said, we, uh, you know, we, we were able to win the district championship and uh, get to the regionals. And we had a chance, really. I thought we could get to the regional finals. Jerry sprained his ankle in the first quarter of the regional game at Savage Hall. But uh, I don't, you know, Wasion was the team in the other side of that bracket. We would have never beat them. They were tremendous that year. But uh uh, it, it was a memorable year and a, and a really good kid group of kids that really molded together as a team. So, Coach, 1999, you know, after 10 years at Rocky River and piling up 160 wins, you decided to make a change and you accept the job as the head boys basketball coach at Finley High School, where you are now. You know, what do you recall about that offseason and the hiring process that ultimately led to you taking over the Trojans basketball program? Well, you know, Rocky River is a great place. I loved it there. It's a tremendous school, uh, one of the top-ranked schools academically in the state of Ohio, one of the highest-paid paying schools for teachers. But I'm a small-town guy, you know, and uh, uh, I had started thinking about, with my wife Eileen, we had started thinking about moving away from the suburbs the year before and after the 98 season. And I interviewed and got offered a job in the Eastern District, actually, closer to where I grew up and ended up turning it down. You know, we, these, these, we, had, we had a great group returning in basketball and baseball, and I just, I just couldn't leave. But then at the, at the state basketball tournament in 99, in March, I ran into a guy from my high school, Tom Williams, who's older than me. He lives in Minerva, actually. He's a little teacher and coach in Minerva. and. I told him I was thinking about, you know, maybe looking for another job and moving on. And he told me he was sitting by somebody, he was sitting by a woman at, at the tournament games who was from Finley, and she mentioned that their job was open. And here it comes back to my mentor, Bill Jones, again. You know, I didn't know, the only thing I knew about Finley is Bill Jones, the football coach, had his greatest part of his career was actually at Finley High School. 
and he had talked to me a lot about Finley and what a great place it was for his kids to grow up and where he coached for he coached from like the early 70s to the early 80s had a tremendous football program and uh so I went back from the state tournament and I told him that the Finley basketball job was open and he said go go for it you know so I interviewed and uh I thought I had a great interview a couple interviews and was offered the job and it was a big jump for me. I'm kind of a, you know, I don't like to change that much, but, uh, you know, we had talked about moving and getting away from the, from the suburbs and, and we decided to, to go ahead and do that. It, it wasn't, it wasn't easy for me to make that change. It was a tough move. Uh, you know, I, we, we didn't sell our house in Cleveland for a while. I lived out here in Finley, uh, by myself till October. And, you know, you, I, I heard, uh, Roy Williams say once when he changed jobs that for the first six months or a year or so, you refer to the, your office as the bat, as the coach's office. And then it's not till later on, you refer to it as my office. And that's certainly the way it was. You know, I was a little bit of an outsider. I, I felt, I felt a little bit, you know, kind of on the outside and, and, um, you know, eventually, you know, you just become more comfortable and, you know, and, and making that change. And now it's not the, it's not the basketball office anymore. It's my office. And, uh, um, you know, but, but, uh, it, it's been a good, it's been a really good move for my family. Yes. So coach, like you said, you know, going from the basketball office to my office, you know, the first season with a new program, you're trying to make your mark. You're trying to build that culture, establish that blueprint for how things will be in the years to come. And during that first season, you had the chance to coach a pretty special athlete, uh, though maybe not known for his basketball abilities, Ben Roethlisberger. What do you recall about coaching Ben? Did you recognize any of those intangibles he possessed that let you know he'd be playing at a professional level one day? Yeah, you know, when I when I got the job, I got a couple videotapes of games and watched them and you could tell that this guy had something a little bit different. And then then finally seeing him up close and coaching him, he is deceptively big. You know, his wingspan and the ground he can cover on a shot fake and step through and just get by guys. But the biggest thing was his feel for the game his savvy the way he saw the game was just on a different level and you know a couple of things to illustrate that we have a kid a junior the only junior uh, on our varsity this year is a big time quarterback you know Ryan Montgomery his brother Luke plays at Ohio State as a freshman lineman and Ryan's down to his final five of Georgia Ohio State Michigan Penn State he's a junior quarterback. So we've had some big time football coaches in our gym the last year and a half. And it almost never fails. They ask me about Ben, you know, what Ben was like. And and what I say is, you know, this is Ben. You have a two on one break and you're the, you know, he's the one guy on defense and there's a two on one coming against him or a three on one. Bad players, you know, lunge at the ball or something and give up a layup. Good players, you know, guard both guys. They fake, they they stunt, they you know, and and they make these guys take a contested layup. Ben baits you into making a pass and then steals it. He just is one step ahead, thinking. 
And the other thing is, uh, you know, when when we moved out here in October permanently, and it was in football season, and Ben was playing quarterback, it was his first year at quarterback, and my parents came out to watch a game, they came out to visit us, and we moved here and watched a game. And my mom, who had been around sports her whole life, but really didn't know much about sports and football, and and we went to the game to see Finley High play, and Ben Ben was having a you know great game as he did that year, and she said. He has a lot of poise. You know, you could just see that. Even a even a sports novice could see how poised he was and how he could avoid and just see things and avoid the rush. And you could tell there was something special about it. And the other thing about him that he is the best that I've ever coached was dealing with referees. This kid could communicate with referees and win them over and handle them the right way and treat them. And if they made a call against him, he knew what to say to, to kind of get them on his side. He, he, was, he was at another level with some of those things. And along with that, he was a really good player. That's amazing. Because I, I know for me as a coach, and I'm sure Adam would be, well, probably a lot of coaches feel this way. If I see a player talking to a referee, I'm instantly nervous. Yeah. Don't dig yourself a hole. Shut up. <laughs> Don't say anything. It's going to hurt you. But like you said, it, it just must have been a natural talent for him to, to be able to do that. And obviously that, that carried over yeah. uh, on the gridiron as well at the highest level. So, yep. so those first few seasons with the Trojans, you know, you, you keep churning out winning seasons, but you were still looking to make some real noise in the postseason. Uh, 2007, you, you guys get over the hump and win the school's first district title since 1981, and coincidentally make make it to the regional final, which was the deepest tournament run since 1948 uh, when the school won the state title. Who are some of the players that helped lay that foundation for the program? You know, Obviously, outside of, of Ben Roethlisberger, um, those first seven years, and what lessons did you learn along the way? Well, you know, I, I think I really learned to become a better coach, uh, you know, almost out of necessity. When I came here to Finley, a lot of people said, you know, the same kind of kids that I had at Rocky River, you know, they'd be pretty fundamentally sound, good shooters, et cetera. Uh, and I think they were very similar, uh, although I had left the program where our guys were really at the top of their game shooting the ball. And I, I, I thought we had a ways to go with that here. But we basically did have the same kind of kids, but just playing a lot higher level of competition. I remember the first game I scouted when I was here. I went to Lima Senior and scouted them versus Cincinnati Princeton. And I thought to myself, what have I gotten myself into here? I, I, uh, the athleticism on the floor was just unbelievable. It, it wasn't things I had seen for the most part, you know, uh, in our league at Rocky River. Uh, so it's like you, you got to sink or swim, you know, and, and we had to try to learn to do things uh, – you know, uh, a little differently and, and, and be, be better, be stronger with the ball and, and shoot the ball better. But again, we had, you know, my, my first year, I'll go back to the, the, the freshman that group or that year, you know, ended up having a nice uh, junior and senior season. Uh, I think adapting to our, uh, adapting our style of play again, every year to, to the talent that we had, I think we did a pretty decent job with that, but our uh, freshman there in 99-2000 who graduated in 2003 Rob Young who was a 1000 point scorer Will Teppe 
uh, LaDaniel Mangus, who's my freshman coach still today, uh, has been in our program. And guys like that uh, really kind of stabilized things for us. And and then we got to, the, you know, 2005, six, and, and, and had a, had a good class coming through that we thought when they were seniors in 2007, that we could have a nice team. And, and we were able to do that. Jim, your, your resume speaks for itself. You know, it's no accident. When you see a coach, that's piled up the accolades like you have. One of the most impressive things to me about your resume, I think is underappreciated by the common fan or maybe the outsider is that you've never had a losing season at Finley. What do you credit to building that consistency for 24 years? Something that can be a little more challenging maybe at a public school to do. Yeah, you know, we're, we're really proud of that. And, uh, you know, from what we can tell, there's 165, 166 schools in the Northwest District, Northwest Ohio. And uh, us in Toledo St. John's are, the, are, I think, the only ones that have not had a losing season in the 2000s. Uh, even Ottawa Glendorf had one, one losing season. And Perrysburg, you had Coach Boyce on, who does an unbelievable job. They had one losing season. But, um, you know, again, I, I think uh, we've had good kids who've bought in and, and put time in in the offseason. And I, I think we do a decent job of – we have a system, but we tweak it, you know, depending on the talent that we have and the type of players we have. And, and we've been able to do that and, and compete. You know, even the years we weren't great, we still were in games all the time. And, you know, if you're in games, you're going to, you know, you're going to pull a few of them out. And, you know, maybe, maybe you could have been uh, eight and 12 and instead you end up 12 and eight. So yeah, we're, we're proud of, we're proud of that, that we, we've had a, you know, some sense of uh, consistency that no matter, you know, uh, what group of kids we have, we're able to go out and compete uh, with uh, some of the best teams in, in Northwest Ohio. So, Coach, you've been fortunate enough to coach some special players in your time at Finley. Players like Luke Krause, the first-team All-Ohio player, and Finley's all-time leading scorer, and C.J. Geddes, who was part of that regional team in 2011 and is now playing overseas. One of our favorite questions to ask coaches is, what was it about players like this that made them uncommon amongst the cops? Yeah, uh, you know, those are our two only two Division One players in the 24 years uh, that we've had CJ. CJ was a game changer. He was 6'11". You know, we could play with anybody with CJ there. And we, you know, we got to the regionals, lost a heartbreaker to Toledo Central Catholic. They ended up, you know, having a big, big win in the regional finals and made it to Columbus uh, his junior year. Uh, he, he was, a, he was a, a, like an equalizer for us. We haven't had many kids like that. Luke, though, kind of epitomizes, I think, the type of kid. And you know, maybe they not, maybe they're not as skilled as him, but the 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 type of kid that I'd I'd like to say, you know, is, is illustrates our program uh, is is just the toughness that Luke had. He was an absolute competitor. You could not keep him off the floor. His older brother, Zach, was a couple years older. You know, I think those guys must have just gone through wars at home. And Luke, being the younger one, you know, just just got toughened. But, uh, you know, here's a kid that scored 1,500 points in his career. He led our regional team uh, in 2007 as, as a sophomore. He went to BGSU and really became 
just an, a, a defensive stopper. You know, so you have a kid that was a star scorer, and he was a great defender in high school. But in college, he took it to another level. He, that was how he was going to get on the floor at BG. And, and so he found a way to do that. He was going to do that kind of epitomizes that, you know, whatever it's going to take for me to get on the floor, that's what I'm going to do. And again, I think we've had a lot of kids like that. Maybe they didn't score as much as Luke and weren't as skilled as him. But we've had, you know, those kids that stand out that just, you know, somebody said, you know, good teams win and tough teams win championships. And you got to have some guys like that that just, they don't have to be tremendous basketball players. But if they're tough and they're going to compete, you know, we, we've had some guys, I think back to K.R. Schlever, the kid we had took four charges in a game, Andrew Letty, Jake Bishop last year, who's playing at the University of Finley, just tough. And, uh, you know, Luke, Luke kind of epitomizes that for us. So, Coach, you know, in talking to a few of your colleagues about your teams at Finley, you know, all have stated how tough your teams are to guard. And you kind of touched on it briefly, you know, the system that, that you believe in with you and your coaching staff. And you've talked about, you know, tweaking things based on your personnel. But, you know, as you adapt to what puts your team in the best position, are, are there any certain, uh, maybe even offensive philosophies or principles that you've stuck to over the years that make your team so tough to guard? Well, you know, we, we, we want to get a good shot every time. And that, that changes the style of how we do that changes, obviously. You know, as I said, when we were, uh, one of my first year at Rocky River, you know, we, we grinded it out. We, we didn't feel we had the talent. My last couple of years at Rocky River, we made about 50 more threes than we attempted my first year at Rocky River. So we've opened it up when we felt we needed to open it up. You know, everybody always wants you to play faster and thinks you're, you know, you're playing too slow, but we have to do what we think is best. And we've had years where we've played a little faster. The, the big thing is we try to get some easy baskets. We, you know, we try to get some back doors and uh, we face a lot of pressure. Uh, you know, we just, just getting one or two backs people off a little bit. And, uh, you know, we just want to execute and be able to, to keep people on their heels and, and dictate the tempo of the game, whether that's a little faster by pressing once in a while or, or by having to slow things down and, and work to get a good shot. I, you know, I, I think that uh, our kids understand that. You know, they run pretty much the same system all the way through. And again, we tweak it depending on who the individual kids are, what we're going to emphasize. But uh, we, we think that, uh, you know, if we work to get a good shot, you know, you, you'll, you'll take, you'll take that. And so coach, like you just mentioned, you know, dictating the tempo and the pace of the game. So I'm curious, you know, it's on the horizon. It's one of those buzzwords that we as coaches are always talking about. You know, we're curious, does that mean you would not be in favor of the shot clock coming to Ohio? Yeah. You know, I think, I think everybody would think I wouldn't be, I would be against the shot clock because of, because of our style. But, you know, we, uh, I think the shot clock benefits strong defensive teams. I think we play defense pretty well. I think it would help us. You know, even though we got beat in the district finals a couple years ago by Toledo St. John's, 41-26. And I went back and charted every one of our possessions and timed them. And our average length of our possessions was 16 seconds. So we weren't slowing it down. 
they were just bodying us up and taking, forcing us to, you know, we'd run a set and we'd get a 10 footer, but a guy would have his hand on your hip and pushing you out a little bit. What, what makes it hard to score in high school is the technology. You can get 15 tapes on somebody. We know what they're going to run. They know what we're going to run. And the physical play, I'm not sure that having a shot clock would raise the score of games, uh, but we would certainly adapt to it. I would not be against it. Uh, I, I think in some ways we, we'd make it, we'd make it uh, help us out a little bit. But if people want to see higher scoring games, I think the, the physicality has to be taken care of. You know, when we play somebody like St. John's and we play, you know, we, they were in our league, we play them twice a year, and then you play them in the tournament. You know everything about each other. They're big and strong and pushing you around. That's why we scored 26 points. We weren't holding the ball. Their, the average length of their possessions was 21 seconds and in that game. So uh, a 35, you know, I wouldn't want to see a 30-second shot clock. I'd want to see 35. I think I think you get down to... You know, if you, I think a lot of teams would end up taking bad end of shot clock shots. You know, if you weren't careful, you'd have to really be disciplined to to try to try to get a good shot, so you don't panic at the end and throw up crazy shots. Then the game would really get ugly. So, coach, let's pivot here a little bit and touch on your time coaching baseball, where you also experienced success. You were head baseball coach for 19 years at Rocky River and Liberty Benton and made it to the Division II state title game in 1998 and 1999. While two completely separate sports in their own right, did you find any coaching philosophies or maybe even strategies that carried over from the hardwood to the diamond? Well, yeah, I think, you know, just being around the guys I was with early in my career, you know, it just pounded into my head you know, preparation. It doesn't matter what you're coaching. Uh, you know, like I said, I said about Bill Jones, I, you know, I mentioned this again at a banquet every year, I would say he could coach tiddlywinks. You know, it, it didn't matter. Fundamentals, looking at paying attention to detail. We, you know, we just talk about that every day today, you know, paying attention to detail, doing the little things right. It doesn't matter whether it's basketball or baseball, you know, trying to find ways to to get a little bit of an edge, you know, in basketball, it was when, when I came here and saw the, you know, the level of competition and the athleticism, we tried to find every possible way we could scratch out a way to, to, to get a, an easy basket. You know, we get more back doors, get more layups in baseball. It was trying to fig, find a way to scratch out a run, you know, steal a base, a bunt, things like that. You know, it, it doesn't really matter the sport, I think. You know, the, the basics of the fundamentals and doing the little things right. And, you know, that, that, that's, that's uh, consistent no matter what. So, Coach, we talk a lot about our teams on the court, but we also like to touch on our teams at home, our, our family. You briefly mentioned earlier your wife, um, Eileen, and you've been quoted saying Eileen is the perfect coaching wife. Feel free to, you know, give her a shout out and maybe share with our listeners some advice you would give to other coaches when it comes to balancing the duties of being a great spouse and a coach at the same time. Well, you know, you can't do what what I've done or you guys, you know, have done the guys I've listened to on your podcast without without a spouse that that's going to be there for you, you know, and she's been absolutely amazing. I've I've coached I don't know, 12, 1300 varsity games, baseball and basketball, you know, that that's a lot of time away and 
you know, she, she didn't go to every single one of them, but she went to a lot of them. And, you know, I come home, she cares, you know, she is involved. She wants to know when I come home from practice, she wants to know what happened in practice. And that's hard sometimes on me because I sat around and talked about it for, for a half hour after practice with our staff. And I don't want to talk about it anymore. She deserves to know what's going on if she wants to know, because she's put her life into this. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, she's been a, almost like a single parent at some times. And I know, Adam, you said, on, I listened to your podcast and I'd never heard it put this way, honestly, but it is absolutely true that, you know, your family doesn't get the best of us. They get the rest of us. And that is so true in my case. I've been I've been away a lot with basketball and baseball in the summers. Uh, luckily, when my kids were little, we, you know, we kept them involved in that. And, you know, they love going to open gym and I would drag them scouting. Man, I had three little ones and just, you know, trudging away in the snow to go to some gym and scout. And, and she's been amazing, you know, uh, supporting all of this. Uh, my kids are older now. They still, you know, when they're around, they are not shy about telling me what they think about my team. If they come to a game and they see a kid that maybe has bad body language on the bench or something, they will tell me. And they are almost always right. They've seen so much basketball and they've learned so much. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just uh, impossible. You know, I've, I've seen a, a lot of young coaches over the years say that, you know, they can't go anymore because, you know, their wife doesn't want them to do this or do that. And I'm just unbelievably lucky that, that she's allowed me to continue to, you know, to do this and support it and become a part of it. And, you know, you guys are in the same boat, anybody in this situation, any of the guys that are lifers, you know, you, you can't do it without somebody that's, uh, that's going to be in it with you a hundred percent, you know, they can't be 95% or it's not going to work. And uh, I'm extremely lucky in that regard. Okay, coach. So now we would like to transition to a segment that we call triple threat. We're going to give you three topics and let you share your thoughts, ideas, experiences, or suggestions with our listeners. Are you ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Number one, the toughest gym to play in, in Northwest Ohio and why? Well, I think that's an easy answer, but before I give it, I'll give a couple older gyms that, that aren't around anymore. The Purple Pit in Fremont, you know, they shut that down, built a new gym a couple years ago. That was a really tough place to play for us. The old gym at Lima Senior was uh, intimidating, but I I think uh, right now in Northwest Ohio, the, the toughest place to play is Ottawa Glandorf. And they're just good every year. That's part of it. You know, they're really good. We we have, you know, they're Division Three. We're Division One. We play every year. It's a tremendous game. They play a tough schedule. Their fans are loyal. I mean, they are there. You've, you've seen them at the state tournament, you know. Everybody's there. And you go over there. It's a little bit of a smaller gym, old smaller gym. The team is good. The fans, they are packed in. They are loud. Their students are into it. It's a great high school atmosphere, and it's tough for a, a visitor to go in there and win. So, Coach, you're only allowed to have one of the following on your next scouting report. Player tendencies or opponents' X's and O's. Which one goes on the report and why? That's easy for me. That's player tendencies. I, I scout like crazy, uh, and, and film has, has made that easier, but I, I, st- I can't get away from going in person. You know, I, I go 20 
last year maybe I went to 23 games. Uh, I think um, I have my scouting schedule lined up this year. I have 27 nights I'll, I'll be able to go see an opponent. We, you know, try to get what they run. We try to get calls that they run, but we don't go practice for you know, for an hour. You know, a certain set that they run. We 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 try to be ready that uh, you know if if they run something, you know that. Well, I don't care really how they do it, but it might be a, a it ends up being like a block to block screen. We want to we want to know how to guard that, or you know we we know that for this team we have to be good at, at guarding ball screens, and we just want to rely on how we do that. We won't worry so much about exactly what they're doing. I really look at the player, the 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 personnel, and I want to be able to have an idea of what we can do against this kid or. Uh, you know, how we're going to match up with them, uh, which guys can hurt us, what they can do and can't do. So when I scout, that's the biggest thing uh, that I'm looking for. And, and I found, I don't know, maybe just, you know, old and not, not able to adjust, but it's hard for me to watch film unless I've seen the team on in person. I, I can really get a much better feel watching a few game films if I've seen those kids in person and have a better grasp of them that way. So I love to see them in person. But, yeah, it's it's the personnel and the tendencies and things like that that, that we worry about way more than the, the other things. Okay, Coach, third and final question. Talk to us about the importance of team building activities during the season. Yeah, you know, you've had some guys on here that've been unbelievable with some of that kind of stuff, and I, I don't think we do anything really special, you know, that other people do. Uh, we, you know, we have the team meals, and you know, uh, uh, my wife, we have we have the whole team over twice in the beginning of the year and before the tournament game. She's unbelievable cook. Last year we had a full Thanksgiving dinner for for our whole team at my house uh you know those kind of things we used to go away for a weekend for a scrimmage when the football playoff stuff changed you know and, and there's 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 17 teams in each region in division one and 16 make it so we're going to be in the playoffs every year so it's a little bit harder for me to schedule a weekend away and then have to call somebody you know uh, two weeks before and say, hey, we can't come. We can't come. Our football team's still in the playoffs, so we we've stopped doing that. But uh, I think the biggest thing, biggest thing, is we hammer uh, just being a great teammate. We hammer tradition, bringing some ex players in to, to talk to the kids about being a Finley Trojan, and uh, you know, be, uh, really stress being great teammates to each other and, and building the the team camaraderie that way, you know, there's a lot of things you can do also, you know, that people do, but I think that's the biggest thing. We just try to constantly talk about the tradition and being wearing that Jersey, being a great teammate. And, uh, you know, I think we've had a lot of kids who've sacrificed themselves for the betterment of the team. And without that, you know, you can't have success. Well, Coach, we have one more question for you, but before we get to that, thank you for coming on the show and spending some time with us on the Holding Court Podcast. I know myself and Walt, we have a tremendous amount of respect for you and the programs you built at both Rocky River and Finley. You've definitely done things the right way and are a great ambassador for the game of basketball in the state of Ohio. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, it's it's been an honor to be here and 
the again, like I, I mentioned earlier, this is just tremendous for our association and you know, you guys have done an outstanding job with this. I love, I can't wait to, to, to see who else you get on. Coach, we appreciate that. Thank you. So let's talk about January 2022. Uh, hard to believe we're coming up on two years since then, but you achieved what few others in our field have done. You got 500 career victories. Um, I'm sure like a lot of coaches, you've experienced a sig- significant amount of personal and professional growth over those 500 victories. You know, we as coaches, we often say, keep the main thing, the main thing. Reflecting on your career, what would you say the main thing has been? Well, uh, that's a great question. I guess I'll, I'd answer that on a couple different levels. Uh, first of all, you know, the, the 500 wins and, and all of that, you mentioned accolades. I'll steal a line from uh, Tony Bennett. I heard him interviewed once and he talked about his father. Of course, you know, Dick Bennett. And uh, I think it was when they made the final four. And Coach Bennett said, because I know what, re-, you know, they, somebody asked him about that, you know, how great of a feeling that was. And he said, because I know, uh, paraphrasing, but because I know what's truly important, I'm able to appreciate and put in perspective things like this that seem like they're important, like winning basketball games. And I, I don't think I always knew that. I don't think I always was able to, to know what really was important, but, but I do now. But uh, the main thing, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, kind of give you two answers. As far as our program and coaching our program and our kids, uh, our goal is, the, the, our main goal is that whatever they choose to do in their life, they will be better at it because they were in our program. And we really stress being great role models, doing things the right way, having integrity. Uh, My assistant, Ray Elbin, has been with me for 25 years. I have the greatest staff in Ohio when it comes to guys who are great fathers, teachers, businessmen in the community, husbands. And we try to model that every day for our players every single day. And uh, that's the main thing. As far as myself, you know, coaching on the coaching journey, the main thing for me has been trying to always learn and get better. I'm a huge on clinics, talking to coaches. I just, you know, as I get older, I'm almost like more obsessed with it. I feel like I'm running out of time and to, to become a better coach. And I, I, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta work harder every year to do that. I want to become a better coach every year. Um, you know, this again, just giving you an idea of, of, of Eileen and her support, you know, this, after this past season, I went and spoke with, uh, Brett Norris at Hilliard, uh, Darby or Hilliard Bradley, I guess it is, you know, for a night about basketball stuff. We decided to spend a week to take a weekend. I suggested we take a weekend away and go and go to get a cabin somewhere out in the middle of the woods. Well, she picked a place in Tuscaroras County, out in the middle of nowhere, Stone Creek. I think it's where it was, and uh, but out out in the middle of nowhere. And I I said, well, if we're going to be in Tuscaroras County. And I think maybe I'll get a hold of Bob Von Kennel and see if I can go talk to him for a couple hours. I had talked to Bob before about coming and sitting down and, you know, just brainstorming a few things. So here we are. I got to tell her that we're going to go spend this weekend away and no phones, nothing. 
but there's going to be a little detour and I'm going to go talk to Bob for a couple of hours. So, you know, another example of, you know, how, how supportive she has been, but I just really, I really, uh, for my, my own personal growth am big into that. And I know coach close on your podcast with him talked about how coaches, you know, the fraternity is so small and we need to be able to do those things. And, and I think we're really missing that. And the young guys, I feel bad for them. Our tournament draw is by Zoom. Our league meeting is by Zoom. Our district eight meeting is voting online. Guys watch YouTube videos, you know, to, to learn. And that's great. I do too. But we're missing out on going to a clinic and getting to know guys and talk to them or talking at the tournament draw or the league meeting and, and, you know, being there to help each other out then when, you know, when, when, when you need that. And, uh, you know, I, I wish we could do some of this stuff more in person. And I, if I, I would suggest to young guys, go to clinics. It's not just listening. You know, you can listen online, but you, but you can't ask questions. You can't go talk to people. You can't talk to some other coach at the social and talk about how things are going for you and for them. So, you know, again, just kind of, I guess to summarize, the uh, the main thing for me is just trying to get better all the time. But but for our as far as our program goes, you know, we we want we want our kids. Uh, I'll steal this last line. I think from Doug Krause at Archibald. I remember he told me this years ago. I don't know, maybe he stole it from somebody, but I I steal this now. When somebody asks me how our team's going to be this year, I say I don't know. I'll let you know in about twenty years. You know, we'll see how they turn out. And judging by that standard, we've had some really good teams because our kids have gone on and done great things. Thanks for listening to Holding Court, presented by the Ohio High School Basketball Coaches Association. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, keep up with us on Twitter and Facebook at Ohio BK Coaches, on Instagram at OHSBCA1947, and online at www.oh.nhsbca.org. Until next time.